You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, episode 36 with Tiffany Sutherland. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hart, and today we're talking with a good friend of mine, Tiffany Sutherland. Guys, I met Tiffany at Podcast Movement in Chicago this summer, and in a brief talk with her, I felt led to invite her to share this journey of hers with our community. I thought her story was so fascinating. Tiffany is a lawyer by training and a change agent at heart. She started her career as an attorney at a top law firm in Philadelphia before transitioning to higher education and then coming back to the law firm where her career began, where she serves as manager of professional recruitment. Tiffany's amazing educational accomplishments include her receiving degrees from two different Ivy League schools. She received a bachelor's degree in human development from Cornell University, then went on to attain a master's degree in social work and a law degree from the University of Pennsylvania. Tiffany founded Four Corners coaching in 2015 and today she's helping professionals own their stories understand their strengths and leverage your life experiences as they pursue future success she writes speaks coaches on topics including professional development career transitions overcoming trauma and balancing personal values and career goals she's a tedx speaker and i've gone ahead and posted a video of our tedx speech on our show notes page so jump over to tbpod.com after you listen to today's interview and be sure to check out that video It's a short one, but a powerful one, just the same. And, you know, as I mentioned before, we met at Podcast Movement. So Tiffany is also a podcaster and hosts a podcast called How Does She Do It? Where, you know, she shares practical insights and honest perspectives on being grown. Guys, I invite you and I challenge you a little bit here to to share your takeaway from today's episode. Hop on over to Twitter or Instagram. Let's chat it up. Be sure to tag me. Our handle is at TBPod. Without further the delay, let's dive into today's episode with our trailblazer, Tiffany Sutherland. Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on. Welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here. So we've had some some fun talking before we got started tonight. But, you know, before we jump into today's talk, I'd love you to share with us what you're most grateful for in your life right now. I have to say my I'm going to get I'm going to say two things. My increasing faith and relationship with God has been significant and I feel like I've seen and felt changes in myself and in my life generally and also for the support of my friends and family. I um, am blessed every day by people who care significantly about me to invest and to share my podcast and to talk to people about the things that I do and who just care about me. So my faith in God and, and my friends and family for sure. Awesome. It's good to be grateful, right? Absolutely. So wake up with a ton of gratitude every day. Growing up, did you actually envision any of this? Did you see one day becoming a lawyer, a writer, speaker or coach? You know, 
I will say when I was younger and I, I made my career decision when I was in sixth grade, as I, I like to tell people, I decided at that point that I wanted to be an attorney. And really? I was it was because there was a woman in my church who was actually a judge in my town where I'm from, Hempstead. Shout out Hempstead, Long Island. And um <laughs> And she allowed me to go to court with her one night. She did traffic. She was doing traffic court one night and I sat on the bench with her. And from at that point, I felt like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. And I would tell people that I wanted to be a Supreme Court justice. At that point, there were I think Clarence Thomas may have been on the court at that time or soon thereafter. But there was not a woman of color. Of course, we didn't see uh, Justice Sotomayor come on to the court until years later. But a coach and speaker and writer, I used to write stories like kids write stories, but didn't really see that in my future. But an attorney, I did. And it, ironically enough, I don't practice law full time now, but I did see that at that point. Wow. What is it like being a black woman with multiple degrees from two different Ivy League schools? It is a blessing. But if I mean, the loans are not, I will, um, I will <laughs> absolutely say that. But what I think you get two different kinds of reactions from people for some people or maybe three. Some people, it's just like, oh, OK, depending on what circle you're in, it's like no one really it's not like remarkable that I have these degrees. For other right. people, like I've had people come up to me and I'll be wearing a Cornell hoodie and someone will ask me, where did you get that shirt from? And I'm going to say, you know, it tends to not be black people who ask me these questions. As though <laughs> I have to as though I got this shirt like I didn't go to the place that the shirt is connected to. I've had it happen to me both wearing what you pen clothes and pen Cornell. Uh, Cornell things as well. And then I have people who kind of treat me as though, oh, I must be higher. I must be in this different category of person because I have these degrees. And it's a very, um, it's all very humbling, but it can be a lot because to me, it's, it's just normal, right? I have these degrees because these are the schools that I went to, but it doesn't make me better uh, than anybody else or more or less capable than anybody else. And um, so sometimes people will react strangely, but other times people will just be like, you know, oh, okay, that's great. And then just move on. What happens when they you're not wearing your attire, right? And then someone takes notice through whatever means. Do you see the change? Or is there a difference that, you know, in the way they react or treat you at that point? I have, I have seen it. I have seen it. And people are just like, oh, well, you must be so blah, blah, blah. Or people uh, assume that I came from the, I guess, from the, the assumed pedigree background uh, that <laughs> might indicate. Right. And that's not the case at all. And um, I come from a, a family, you know, I was raised by a Jamaican grandmother. I come from um, a single parent household and have a lot of a very complicated, interesting family story. But, you know, nothing about my background would indicate, but for the grace of God, that I should have gone to these schools, right? Everything, all indicators and statistics would tell me and would tell the world that I shouldn't have been in the places that I've been. So sometimes people will, they'll take note of it. And I think sometimes they'll be like, oh, okay, I can't, I can't come at her in one way or another because I need to come correct because she went to these schools, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I hear that. So we have some some young trailblazer grasshoppers in high school listening to this, right? What advice do you have for them, especially young girls who would love to follow in your footsteps? How could they begin to position themselves for maybe getting in, into an Ivy League school? Well, I just want to say that I, I think it all starts with studying and being just working very, very hard and refusing to be defined by a circumstance. And that goes for whether you're applying to an Ivy League school or, you know, a 
community college, right? If you're applying to move beyond your circumstance to pursue a degree um, beyond high school, you have to have uh, determination. And if you're coming from a place like where I came from, you have to make sure that you are sort you're supported and that you don't allow the what the media says about little brown girls in America to define how you determine and how you choose the steps that you want to take in life. So really working hard, asking questions, not being afraid to be told no, and not being not being caught up in the price tag of an education and assuming that because school costs money and you don't have money, therefore you shouldn't go, um, which mm. is a really, really big, cons- a big concern that I hear from a lot of people who say, well, if I don't have the $50,000 that it's going to cost in tuition, in my pocket or in my bank account, then I can't go to school. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. So, um, you know, just not being not being defined and not being limited by your circumstances or the expectations that the world places on you and just following the dreams that you have for yourself and and seeking the resources to do so. Right. Finding a way. Absolutely. Why did you actually choose to study uh, so your undergrad, you did human development and I believe you did your master's in social work, yes. right? Before going going on to law school. Why did you choose that path? What was it about human development and social work that drew you in that direction? So I started college as uh, what they call it was a policy analysis and management major. And it was all it was in the College of Human Ecology at Cornell. And mm. what the College of Human Ecology basically is the study of where of how systems and people impact each other. And so all of the majors involved, you know, we have in this in the college, they're like school. The, the one of the majors is like textiles and apparel. And so policy analysis analysis and management, excuse me, is basically the the study of exactly what it sounds like. Understanding economies, understanding how policy formation impacts people on a kind of everyday basis. I started that major in undergrad, kind of guns blazing, took an econ class and was like, I got to get out of here. I can't do econ. (laughs) This is fake math. Math is not, I I don't understand what this is. So I, I wanted to stay in the college and I saw human development kind of spoke to me, right? It's the understanding. It's essentially like social psychology. It's really understanding how people develop from the time that they're infants all the way through adulthood and the different phases and different kind of psychological and social theories that impact the way that people develop in in this world. And so Mm. when I was um, I transitioned when I was a junior in high school in uh, in undergrad, I law school was kind of my always my plan. My grades, on the other hand, were just like uh, you need a you need a step between between uh, undergrad and law school. So I had a professor. Mm. I was taking community psychology. And uh, my professor, he asked me, have I ever considered going to get a master's in social work? And I said, don't social workers take away people's kids? Like that was what my concept perception. Exactly. That was what I understood social work to be. And once I did more research, I realized that social work was essentially going to take the degree and the the things that I was learning in my human development program and just take it to a whole nother level, really understanding Mm. the kind of theories and the way and even how to do kind of counseling and therapy. I did a clinical track program. And so what what I learned between my human development major and my social work degree is that I have a deep concern for people and growing people and how people become the way that they are and what stories and what experiences have shaped them. And so those are really the things that drive me in the work that I do outside of my day job at the law firm and even in my job at the, at the law firm. So mm-hmm. I chose those paths not necessarily deliberately at first, but then as I sat in them more, they really kind of spoke to the things that I care about and kind of shape the way that I view the world and view people. 
So is that what inspired the trifecta of writing, speaking, coaching? It is. It really is. And I think I have always. So when I was in when I was in law school, I had been I blogged with actually um, with one of my friends from undergrad. We had a blog. It was under a different pen name. And it was something that it was a great sort of outlet for me. And as I grew more confident and comfortable in my identity as both as a woman and as a professional, I began to I was asked by my law school and by um, different organizations to sit on panels or to come talk to students about this and come talk to students about that. And it kind of really was like a transition. It was just a, an evolution of things that I was already really interested in. And right. um, and as far as coaching goes, I have oh, I've often people come to me because they tell me that I help them kind of shed light on an issue that they're having. And so I wanted to formalize that in a way that wasn't therapy, but was in a way that would be that would still allow me to help people and kind of help them be their best self. And so that's kind of how coaching kind of came to be one of the things that I focus on. So on the speaking side, why did you actually decide to do a TEDx talk and how did you actually go about choosing your topic and preparing for that speech that you gave? So, um, so I was working at a university when, um, when I we, and so every kind of every month there or every maybe every even every week we would get newsletters from the university it would be staff staff newsletters and in one mm. of the staff newsletters I saw that they were looking for people to audition to do this TED TEDx talk and I, so and I will say a year before that I wrote down on a piece of paper in a notebook that I have. I want to do a TED talk and closed that notebook and never looked, didn't look at it again, had no idea, didn't have any active plans to, you know, pursue that. And then I see this opportunity to come up and I'm like, oh, my God. So when, <laughs> so I started freaking out and ended up actually deliberately missing the deadline to um, submit my my uh, draft for my TED talk. And then the organizer who I worked with at the law school said, where's your audition? And I was like, um, she said, send it to me today. And I said, OK, fine. So I sent it in, auditioned, ended up doing it. And when I so the title of my talk was Your Story is Your Strength. I feel like that talk was the talk that I've been waiting to do my entire life. And I'm only 31. Don't have a problem saying that when I did the talk at the time I was I was 30. But I am a survivor of child childhood abuse. I am a product of parents who were addicted to drugs. And I have and the the grace of God has granted me opportunities to get to a place where I could have Two, three degrees from two different Ivy League schools where I could have passed the bar exam on the first try, like doing all these things that I never imagined that I would be able to do as a little girl. And by the mm -hmm. time I got to the stage, it would like what I wanted to share with the world and kind of what I want to do in the work that I do is to allow people to recognize that even the worst parts of our experiences and our lives are opportunities for blessings, our opportunities for lessons that help drive us to be to our for our purpose, that help drive our strengths and create the um, the person that we're meant to be. And you know, you can't hide and deny the things of your past. And instead of denying them, you turn it into a point of opportunity. And so that was what that that story was about for me. And um, and really just trying to to give people a different perspective on their own experiences and the things that they deal with, so that they could find uh, hopefully strength in it and um, and use it to leverage their goals for the future. What was your the reception to to 
to the talk? Oh, my gosh. It has been even to this day. It's still it's extremely humbling for number one to hear people who have been through similar things and similar experiences that I have been through. And for right. and for for them to tell me literally say thank you for sharing your story. Thank you right. for talking and sharing my story and not even knowing me mm. or not even, you know, not even having a conversation before that point. And then for other people who have their own version of whatever it is that they've been through, for them to say, um, you know, now I can look at, I'm trying to look at myself a little bit differently. Now, this is a point of motivation for me. It's just, it's, it's very, even as I'm talking about it now, it just boggles my mind that my little, you know, seven minute speech is something that people um, have been able to to take something from. And the reception has been honestly just been really, really great and, um, and really uh, humbling. Uh, that's awesome. Congratulations on taking a step. It was a great speech. And I encourage everyone listening, I'll go ahead and put the video up on our show notes page at tdpod.com. Definitely um, go and, and, and check out uh, Tiffany's TEDx. You. Uh, so, you know, you're you're still speaking. What what step did you take and maybe still taking right now to continue to work on becoming a, a great public speaker? What I'm doing right now is trying to be better read and to read more. Um, mm. I think one of the things that I always admire about people who are great public speakers is the amount of knowledge that they have. That's not right. that is both their own original ideas and things that they've learned from other people. So, um, you know, so that's something that's really so they're equipped to pour out. Exactly. Exactly. And gotcha. and to be able to share didn't draw on different disciplines and different types of knowledge and information. Um, and the other thing that I'm trying to do is read my Bible more. And the mm. reason why I have taken that step is because I believe that in order for me to truly be honest about myself in the way that I've gotten to where I am, I have to also in, talk about the role that God has played in my life. And so right. for me, it means, you know, taking a more somewhat of an academic, but a more deliberate approach to reading the Bible and understanding the connections between biblical stories and how those stories can translate into for people, whether they are believers or not, how can I make those things more accessible to people? And um, and just talking every opportunity that I get, just becoming more well-versed in my own story and just using, trying to draw different analogies and, and think about myself in a way that I can add value to people and in a way that's not just me talking about myself, but that's actually delivering something to people. So just practicing and like writing little notes down. I carry a notebook with me every Everywhere. I'm always in Evernote on my phone. So I'm always yeah. writing and um, and trying to just develop different, you know, different ideas for talks that I may or may not ever have in the future. Big up Evernote. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Live and die by it. Uh, that's awesome. That's really, that's really neat. You're giving me inspiration as well on that. So that's great. How, how can someone wanting to do a TEDx talk go about securing and preparing that opportunity? I think the way that, so like you, you mentioned, my, I came up, I stumbled across this TEDx opportunity kind of randomly. But what I've learned is that there are TED Talks and then there are TEDx Talks. And TED Talks are sponsored by the larger TED organization. TEDx Talks are where the TED organization's licenses, licenses its name to an organization. So in my instance, gotcha. it was licensed to Villanova University. 
University. So if you are interested in doing a TEDx talk, in order to do a TED talk, you have to be like Oprah and Brene Brown and all of these like really, really big name people. But if you to do a TEDx talk, if you look for organizations in your community, universities that you're connected to, just ask questions, find out if the university mm-hmm. has a or if the organization has a license with the TED organization and if they plan to do, um, you know, a TEDx in the future. I know cities gotcha. do TEDx's as well. Philadelphia had one um, a couple uh, sometime last year as well. And so just pay attention. And if you're if you really want to do one, just keep Googling, find out, just reach out to your network, reach out to people that, you know, within your organization and within other organizations that may or may not have one come up and tech to see check to see where TEDx's have been done in the past, because it's likely that they will be they will do another one in the future. Right. Valuable information. Love that. So you're a coach today, right? So I wanted to to pick your brain. Do you also have coaches and mentors who help guide you and hold you accountable to to helping you achieve your own goals? Yes, absolutely. And I'm actually in the I'm in the process of looking for a business coach because that Mm. is something that I know I need if I'm trying to take my coaching company to uh, to another level. Um, But I have had mentors up and down throughout my entire life. I have a mentor who's I'm in her office at least once a week at my current job, um, just talking about my own career development. I had a phone call with one another mentor of mine um, just yesterday talking about what I'm trying to do next and trying to figure out, you know, what are some things that she thinks that I should do. So absolutely, it's extremely important to for all of us as people who are ambitious, people who are leaders to make sure that we have someone else who is who is pouring into us and who is who can hold us accountable and who can help guide us because we don't have all the answers. And, and right. you know, they you can't you can't help yourself through all of the situations that you need to be in. And so it's a matter of making sure that you're humble enough to recognize that you will always need someone to guide you. There's always someone in your field who has more experience than you do that you should be able to gain something from. So, you know, definitely seeking out coaches and seeking out mentors and continuing to have those is something that I will always, um, you know, have in my life. That's awesome. Tiffany, what can we look forward to, you know, with you? What are your big dreams, goals? What's on that vision board for for the next few years, maybe the next 10 years and beyond oh, that you'd care to share with us? Well, I um I hope to run to have a, a coaching and speaking business that touches one million women worldwide. And I say nice. that. I say that and it scares me. And now that it's going to be on this recorded, um, you know, that would be in the universe for forever, um, because my my story is everyone's story in some way, mm-hmm. shape or form. And my goal is to really be able to empower girls and women to first love themselves and to by loving themselves, they will then be able to access the love of God that will allow them to then be who they're supposed to be and live mm-hmm. fully. And it sounds like, you know, kind of, you know, maybe pie in the sky kind of thing. But it with that also comes tangible things. And so I want to be able to have a business that I'm running that is my full time, um, you know, full time source of income that allows me to write, speak and coach women all around the world and really uh, and really just help people help people be great and help people own the strength of their story, which is what I like to I like to say. It's awesome. We're getting into where I like to have you share some resources with our listeners. And I guess one of the things we'd love to know is what's a book that you've read in the past year that's inspired you most? This book, um, one of the books that I've read is called The Art of Work by Jeff Goins. And the subtitle is A Proven Path to Discovering What You Were Meant to Do. And if I could show you this book, the amount of underlines and like notes that I have in the margin 
If, nonstop. nonstop. <laughs> I could underline this whole book, I would have. And I think what is so great about this book is that it really talks about breaking the the kind of societal understanding that we have about what work is and really mm-hmm. forcing you to think about not just like living your passion, right? But like, what are you actually meant to do, which goes beyond yes. passion? Because a lot of us people are passionate. I'm passionate about DJing. I'm not meant to be a DJ, right? Like that's not what I'm supposed to do. So it, it talks about and it goes through kind of tangible thought things that you can think about and answer questions to really get you to, to deconstruct the way that we in America, especially are socialized to understand what work is and repurpose yourself and kind of move your life in a direction. I think that um, that will be more true to what you really should be doing um, on this earth. So I think it's a it's a great book to read, especially I think for your listeners. And that's The Art of Work by Jeff. Yes. Awesome. Tiffany, what's something small you've done this month that you're proud of? I did a Facebook live event for the first time and I'm really, I'm still, as I'm sitting here, I'm smiling about it because it was so, I had such a good time. I basically shared five questions that people should ask before they apply to graduate school. And, oh. um, and I, so I was an admissions director, associate director of admissions and diversity at a law school, um, you know, up to, up until about a year ago. And, um, in that experience and even in the work that I do now and having gone through grad school and law school, people, I've been advising people on applying to law school and graduate school. And, you know, I just wanted to share some things and I did it. It was about 45 minutes and I've gotten it's been shared like 14 times on Facebook and I've gotten and it just makes me feel really, really good. And I'm proud of myself. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. I was sitting in my living room and it was really well received. So I was proud of myself for kind of going out there and getting that done. That's neat. That's awesome. So you shared Evernote before. Mm earlier in our call, but name an online resource. Could be an app, software, or tool that you use every day and you can't live without it. You know, I got to say Google's new um, inbox app for their Gmail instead of, because I think it just used to be called Gmail, but now it's inbox. I use right. inbox all the time and I do like that it bundles um, email a lot better and faster and um, and you don't see certain things that you don't need to see all the time. So I really, I'm always in in inbox and, um, and Evernote. Never know it was like mm. the the truth. It is the truth of an app. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I live and die by it. From everything I've seen, you do a lot of volunteering. Why is volunteering so important to you and giving back of your time, talents, and treasures? Well, God calls us to serve. And that is one of the things that I think he expects the most of people who um, who follow him. And um, from I was, you know, a little girl when I was in this group at my church called Christian Charm. Once a month, we would always do a community service activity. I went to college and joined a sorority that is community service based. Um, being an attorney is, you know, is we always commit ourselves to doing pro bono work as a social worker. A social worker's career is by nature service. And for me, um, you know, someone volunteered to pour into me. Someone gave time to me as I was growing up in order to help, you know, get me from wherever I was to where, you know, whatever the activity was. And so for me, volunteering, it just makes sense, right? It's the thing that we're supposed to do. And so, um, you know, when you, we all are given time and given gifts and given things, and it's required of us to then give that, give those things and give that time and give that service to other people. So it's just, um, you know, an expectation and a requirement that I have uh, for my life. That's awesome. Before we wrap up, I'd love to invite you. Take a couple minutes, impart an inspiring message that can help our listeners to elevate their game and blaze their trail. I would say to start with loving yourself and own the strength of your story. We 
spend a lot of our time living in kind of compartments and having our work life and having our personal life. And we are kind of pulling ourselves in different directions. But I think that when you think about the things that are most important to you, they are not, it's not just about work. It's not just about your home life. It's not just about your family. So when you love yourself, you give yourself more permission to be closer to those things that matter to you the most. And then you have the opportunity to then reflect that self-love and reflect those things that matter to you in the work that you do and in the interactions that you have with people. So just be um, be true to what you want and don't be afraid to you know take a different direction or leave a career that is not fulfilling to you because you have a different direction. Do it smartly. Be wise about it. Don't just walk away with no money in the bank and you know you know and and just go homeless in order to pursue some a passion of yours. But if you want to do it, do it, and the net will appear as you start to take the leap. That's right. So last question. How will the world be different because Tiffany was here? People will be proud of all parts of who they are. My hope is that people will reject shame and will embrace healing and embrace all parts of their experiences in their life in order to move themselves forward and to be more true to um, to who they are and to all things that have that have happened to them. So I just hope that people will be more whole people and be more comfortable um, being more of who they are. That's awesome. Tiffany, I want to say thank you. For, for being on the episode tonight. We've had so many distractions uh, before you even got on to, to not make this call happen and we made it happen and you've poured out some, some amazing knowledge. I was inspired by this call tonight in a big way. Um, you've inspired me to to really kind of take two steps back and make sure that, you know, I'm including my faith and staying, you know, putting God in his rightful place with what's happening in my life, both in the podcast and, and otherwise and making sure that that falls in the right way. Right. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you being open about about your backstory. And I just I, I'm, I'm so thankful that that you chose to, to be part of the Trailblazer family. So just excited to have you. And on. I'm, I'm honored and very happy that we, um, we were able to meet a few, you know, um, not too long ago. And, um, yeah. and really, I really appreciate you, um, you finding it within my little story to, um, to come onto your great show. So I really um, am happy to be here. Thank you so much. So before we let you go, please tell us how we can stay connected to you. I'll go ahead and finish up for today. Um, well, I am at, Tiff South on all forms of social media, and that's T-I-2-F's, uh, S-O-U-T-H. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Snapchat, um, Facebook. You can also check out my podcast, How Does She Do It Podcast.com, or, um, visit my coaching website, fourcornerscoach.com. And, um, you know, just reach out. I'm happy to hear from you. Send me an email. I'm sure this will be, you'll be able to reach out to me through, um, through the show notes, but I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, send me a, a shout on Twitter or the Facebook. Facebooks. And so, you know, we never talked about the podcast tonight. So, you know, we're going to have to do a part two where we bring you back on. (laughs) I didn't even realize that. Wow, there's so much other stuff to talk about. And since you have a Jamaican grandmother, we'll do part two in Pato. Oh, here we go. All right. (laughs) I know. (laughs) All right, Tiff. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. 
Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tvpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.